you don't know this, then you're behind the times. The only metric that matters is convenience. Rules apply to you. Suddenly, you're an advertiser. This week on the Social Minds podcast. Our aim on social isn't to sell, it's to inspire people. So we want people who follow Deliveroo to pluck inspiration on what they're going to eat or order next and really appreciate the breadth of cuisines available on Deliveroo and just share a real love for food. We're joined by Sophie Headlam, the global head of social media at Deliveroo, to talk all about how to reach a mass audience at a hyper-local level. Yes, Deliveroo on Social Minds. It's a podcast episode we've been looking forward to for some time, especially considering the brand's rapid ascent from new app on the block to household name. This was also a special podcast episode because it is my last. Yes, I'm moving on to Pastures New and leaving you in Eve's safe and capable hands for the time being. But enough about me. In this episode, we covered making social media a food-loving friend, connecting with local audiences through the joy of eating, and innovation through the eyes of a digital first brand. All this and more, coming up. How can location-dependent brands use social media to reach specific communities? So yeah, it's a really interesting one. Um, I think particularly for brands like Deliveroo um, and services that are very location-dependent. So for example, you know, if, if you're opening your app in Manchester, in central Manchester, it's going to be a completely different experience to someone on the outskirts of London. So I think thinking about those like local nuances and how you're bringing that to life through one social platform is, is really interesting. And we do have to think quite carefully about that to make sure that people aren't alienated and that you can have one kind of, you know, national or global brand that, that really reaches out to people locally. Mm. And sort of following on from that, have you found it challenging to create mass appeal uh, when you're operating at a really hyper-local level? Because those two things you think would contradict each other somewhat, but it seems to work very well for Deliveroo. So yes and no. For a brand social perspective, it is very difficult to have like a local brand presented to people on social media. But there are definitely some ways of doing it. We, we find that tapping into the emotional side of food is something that people, no matter where they are, can always relate to. Um, and obviously pushing different levers, whether that's local independent restaurants, um, but looking at them by cuisine rather than just a specific area or broader like occasions, for example. I think what we found um, when it comes to like our service is that people choose to live in a neighborhood largely because of their, their, their food community. And like we've seen through social listening that um, people often go into their, into their delivery app and check out the new postcode to see what selection they've got available. So we do want to kind of bring that like local curation to life on social, but again, without alienating people. So it is an, it's an ongoing challenge and one that we have to overcome every day. To overcome it, we, yeah, we focus on food um, more broadly, like the excitement around eating it, how beautiful it looks, how delicious it is, and bringing like real emotion to it. So we love sharing our social media platform with our partners as well. And I think that really helps us to bring a local element to a global or a national page. And, you know, our aim on social isn't to sell, it's to inspire people. So we want people who follow Deliveroo to, to pluck inspiration on what they're going to eat or order next um, and really appreciate um, the breadth of cuisines available on Deliveroo and, and just share a, a real love for food. And you mentioned social listening a second ago, Sophie. Which other platforms and features do you find most useful for um, specific kind of uh, communities and, and localities as well? Yeah, it's it's really interesting and something that as we've been expanding into a lot of new areas, um, particularly in the UK um, over the past year or so, we, we've had to really 
you know, adapt our strategy, which previously just focused mainly on, the, you know, the main platform feeds. So we've got a couple of elements that we do now. So one is we, we look at local Facebook groups and pages, working closely with the admins, because what we've learned is that people don't really want to hear from Deliveroo. They want to have, you know, trusted recommendation from people who they follow. And I think that helps to make delivery more credible. So working out how we can reach these people through this trusted forum and, yeah, like really pushing word of mouth. Um, and then we kind of couple that with a layer of influencer activity, not necessarily like super targeted working with like very micro influencers um, to try and reach certain postcodes. But I guess adding that personality and, and local relevance. So thinking about dialect and the different partners that we're using and trying to make sure that together, you know, we're reaching people in the right places, but still pushing those bigger brand messages. And then I think for me as well, kind of going back to that social listening point, it's really important that we couple our kind of brand pushes and, and our paid pushes with trying to drive earned social at the same time. Um, because that's, that's really powerful and it helps us raise awareness, but also build, build some brand, some brand love. So, um, we work really closely with the, with the PR team to think about some cool activations that we can launch, um, not just nationally or in London, but, you know, around, around the UK and in other markets so that we can actually give people something to talk about, um, that's interesting. I'm glad you mentioned that as well because I'm interested to hear from your side of things, Sophie. When, when we think about reaching people by specific locations, I think most people's brains would go straight to location-based ad targeting, but you deal a lot in organic social. And I'm curious to hear which out of those features that uh, we've just mentioned you think are the most effective. For example, like, is it groups? If you were going to recommend one feature to anyone listening who wants to reach people organically by their location, what have you found works best? I think groups for us has been really effective. It's something that we hadn't really looked at until fairly recently, and it allows you to just push your message in a, in a trusted way. And that's done as, as a recommendation around Deliveroo. So letting people know that the service is coming to their area. And I think it's also about why are you speaking to these people? Like, why should they listen to you? And ultimately, if you're letting them know about a service that they can find useful, then that is helpful content. It's not aggressive selling. Um, so I think if you've got a service that you think is is really relevant to a group of people, it allows you to, to target people um, based on their interests and what they want. And if they want recommendations of amazing food or like restaurants or grocers or services in their area, and that's that's what they're used to in that forum, it feels more more authentic and more organic. And also to, to tap into that sort of authenticity, I should say as well, and keeping that sort of front of mind, I'm guessing that's something that really plays into messaging, for instance, and ensuring you're delivering that shared experience across localities as well. Yeah, definitely. I think authenticity for us is is huge. And that comes across like all of our all of our social content, but you know, our, our broader marketing channels as well. We want to be real. And I think social media as, as platforms, like people are more sophisticated. It's, it's a maturer consumer now. Like people know what to expect and they can see through advertising very easily. So for us, it's, it's about, you know, making sure that we are 
telling people what they want and actually like not just broadcasting messages, but really listening to them um, and doing it in an authentic and, and real way, not misleading people because people don't like that. We want people to trust us. And I think what, what, you know, what we're trying to do is be really welcoming to people and to consumers everywhere um, and letting them know about this amazing service. Like we, we really believe in that what we're doing is brilliant and it's like changing, changing the way that people can eat. And we're really proud of that. So I think it's, it's about just, you know, recognizing how to speak to consumers and doing it in a way that really that really relates to them. I'm going to put my copywriter hat on for a little bit because I'm I'm interested to hear a little bit more about this delivery's messaging because obviously I think one of the most defining factors for of the delivery brand is the fact that you guys aren't or can't be limited by age demographic because everyone orders takeaway like no matter if you're a mother of 3 or or you're an 18-year-old student. So how do you guys tailor the way that you speak uh, and your tone of voice that uh, to appeal to people of uh, all ages, you know, whether that's about the the topics that you guys might want to talk about or things that are like relevant and then all the way down to, you know, the words you're using. It's something that we've looked at a lot. And particularly when, you know, you might get a brief in saying we want to reach students um, or or families. But I think the key thing for me to remember and for everyone to remember is that just because you fall into a demographic, it doesn't mean that that's your only identity and that's how you want to be spoken to. So I guess it's similar to the kind of the hyperlocal points, like how do you make sure that Deliveroo as a brand speaks to someone in Manchester, Brighton, London, Edinburgh, wherever you are, like we want to be able to speak to people authentically and, and naturally. So I think when it comes to different customer types, it's you know, sometimes it might make sense to call out moments that are relevant. Some of that's like freshers week or back to school, whatever those like occasions really are. I think that's fine. But on social, you have to make sure that your messaging isn't alienating to any demographic. If you want your brand and service to be more of a, a service for everyone. And at Delivery, we, we do because we've got so many different like restaurant partners and grocers that it, like, it's, it's not just targeting one group of people. And if, if we suddenly start posting on social Freshers week, freshers week, freshers week. That would be alienating to people who aren't students. So I think, like you know, on paper, I fit the young professionals category, but it's that's not how I identify um, as myself. So I think it's really important to think again about emotion, like what people want when they go on social media. So for, for many, it's a, it's an area to escape, to have fun, to take in great content and catch up on your interests. So the messaging really has to fit in with that mindset just as much as your content does. So don't focus very literally on who you're speaking to, but really try and think about what these people are thinking and how you can really relate to them in that sense. Just a, a follow-up, but it may be a bit of a curveball here, but does that ever actually impact the decision you guys make about which platforms to be on? For example, it's not actually true. This is a big myth, but there's an idea that TikTok is just for young people. So would that sort of put you off thinking, okay, well, that's that's just for that group and it's not how we're going to reach everyone? No, um, I think it's definitely something that you have to navigate quite carefully internally because and, and do a lot of education around who who's on these platforms and why they go to these platforms as well, thinking about consumer behavior. So like, yes, like it's, you know, it's true. And I think probably more true six months, a year ago about TikTok having a younger demographic, but that's not the case now. And I think that the really interesting thing about TikTok um, is that it's a platform that lends itself to content creation that's then that's posted across a number of different platforms. So just because you're focusing on TikTok as the start, it doesn't mean that that's where it ends. So what we've been trying to do is look, again, being aware of the different demographics who are who are on 
these different platforms, but thinking more about behavior and why you're using a different platform. So for us, like TikTok is great because it's amazing entertainment. It's short form video content. We can really hero food and we know that people enjoy watching it. We can then push that across different platforms as well. And other people do it for us. Um, it's also a really great place for us to work with influencers. And again, influencers is a really nice way of appealing to those different customer types. So if you're, you know, you said whether you're a mother of three or a student. So, you know, if, if we're trying to reach parents, then you can work with influencers on TikTok, Instagram, whichever platform you want, um, who are already, they've collected that group of people and they've got that that following. So it does, you don't need to necessarily change your brand, but you can just make sure that when you're pushing out your messages, you're, in, you're including people and different voices who can help you to drive that message to the right place. I love that as well. I think you made a really good point there that I just want to emphasize for a minute that TikTok is a content creation tool and you're so right. The content that gets made there goes absolutely everywhere else. So even if you're creating on TikTok, it's not to say you'll be limited by that audience. Exactly. And I think that's, the for me, the most exciting thing about TikTok. It's a really fast-paced platform, like like they all are, but its its growth is huge. And just seeing how people have really, you know, they've, they've made it what it is. Like, at brands, it's really hard because you can't jump on the trends like, like influencers or, or users can because of the royalty-free music situation. So you have to think a little bit more outside the box. But it's, it's an amazing platform that people are really, really into. And like, you, you know, when you're even on it yourself, it's addictive. The way that you kind of get sucked into this amazing vortex of like reels of content. Um, and I think being a part of that helps us to, to stay ahead of the curve in the other platforms as well. Like with Reels, for example, like being more more accustomed to what's happening on TikTok has meant that we've like kind of changed our video approach onto Instagram. You're listening to the Social Minds podcast with Sophie from Deliveroo. So far, we've covered creating mass appeal at a hyper-local level, the most useful platform features in Deliveroo's toolbox, and leading with messaging that hits audiences in an authentic way. Still to come, we're talking about how Deliveroo prioritizes different content pillars, such as highlighting restaurants and grocers, customer service, and building the brand globally. Plus, we discuss Deliveroo's influencer marketing strategy and how food marketing has evolved over the last five years. For a brand like Deliveroo, that's obviously massive, that has a huge reach, that has this universal appeal, is that quite hard to uh, tap all those KPIs or those, you know, being entertaining while still raising awareness, while still building the brand globally? Or has that been made easier by the many, many features, the plethora of features and platforms that are available now? I think there are a few similarities in the different social platforms and Deliveroo. So we're still a very young business and our service and platform is constantly changing. So if we're planning a campaign with like a big supermarket, we might take a different approach to doing something with an independent restaurant. Um, and I think that ultimately is, is how we approach our platforms and our, our priorities will change seasonally depending on what we're trying to do and who we're trying to speak to and depending on which market we're looking at. So a couple of our markets, um, like, you know, the, the UAE, the UK, for example, um, like huge on TikTok. And I think the other markets are following on that. Um, but other, others might just focus on Instagram for the time being. Um, and again, depending on what partnerships we're doing and the kind of level of creativity, um, that we've got to work with, um, that might change, um, our approach to the brief. But then I think 
on, on just your point on like a global brand and how you're being like active locally, it's something that you constantly have to update anyway, because for, for us, consumers change and our service changes. So we have to constantly keep refreshing what we're doing and also acknowledging that the, the social platforms are changing at the same time. So something that works like now definitely won't work in the year's time. So just trying to stay ahead of things and keep up with the trends. And just so our listeners are aware, Sophie, how many handles does delivery have and how do you segment your activity and output by like customer service and like normal brand output, et cetera? Because every uh, global brand does it differently. Yeah. So we have different handles run by market. So in the UK, we've got Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, um, and then in other markets, um, we might just have a smaller number of those, um, depending on what consumers locally, which, which platform they like to look at. Um, and then we work really closely with our customer service team, particularly on, on Twitter, um, because that's, you know, where we find, um, is the, it's obviously the best place to have a conversation with people and ensuring that you can kind of balance customer service with customer engagement and, you know, really working together to, to align on that. So we, we have a lot of handles and it's, it's a lot going on. It's a decision that we made, which is basically because we want to make sure that Deliveroo is a local brand um, and a local service. So having like a global account, I don't think would work for us necessarily because we want to make sure, as I said earlier, that we can share our platform with our partners. And and just, just like when you open your app, it's it's not just Deliveroo, Deliveroo, Deliveroo. It's, it's all these different amazing restaurants that you can see. So again, we want our social media platforms to reflect that. That's why we've made the decision to have to have so many. No, definitely. I'm really glad you mentioned um, the different restaurants as well, because it's something that makes Deliveroo relatively unique. You know, there's only a handful of convenience brands that will have to do a similar thing. Whereas you're not just promoting the Deliveroo brand, you have to highlight all the other uh, restaurants and grocers that you guys partner with. So, I mean, talk to me in like a percentage split out of 100. Do you guys think about what percentage you should be talking about just Deliveroo or like uh, specific restaurants? Because there's a lot to choose from on there as well. Where does your priority lie uh, in terms of who it is you're talking about? Yeah, well, I mean, Deliveroo wouldn't exist without its restaurant partners and, and grocers. So for us, they're at the heart of everything that we do. When we're talking about food, we always want to include our partners in that and, you know, give them some love and we're, we're doing this together. So I think that is, it's a huge, huge um, percentage of the content that we share. And equally, like we, we love working with our partners on co-branded campaigns and making sure that we're reaching our audience and their audience at the same time. And that's like a, a kind of an ongoing part of our restaurant um, marketing work. Um, it's also um, really interesting to think about the, the different partners that you're working with and how you can support them. So, you know, some of our independent partners don't have social teams or big marketing teams. So we, we do our best to think about how we can give them assets to to push on their own social channels or or share trends and knowledge along the way to make sure that, you know, as we are this this like amazing and unique network, that we're using all of our different areas of, of expertise to help them to develop. And we've spoken a lot about um, partnerships and authenticity, and I suppose uh, that leads us on uh, quite nicely to the next question, which is around influencer marketing. And just wondering how influencer marketing plays a role in the delivery um, strategy is like, uh, you know, partnering with uh, Lewis Capaldi to pose as a driver, um, you know, working with food bloggers and micro-influencers. Keen to get your uh, take on that. The Lewis Capaldi activation, I mean, it must have happened 
two or three years ago, two years ago, and it's still cited um, all the time as such a a great example of influencer marketing. Um, it was definitely my most enjoyable and memorable day working at Deliveroo. Um, but no, it's, it's, I think for, for us, like we want to work with influencers because they have a face, they've got a personality and they've got their own voice that allows us to kind of align ourselves with people who who we who we love and who we think you know are really really relevant um to delivery and, and help us to build our personality based on these characters so i think you know we, we do we've done work with lewis capaldi a couple of times with Gemma collins and as well as the kind of the more the bigger impact pieces we do have an ongoing relationship with a number of smaller influencers but um, again, either working in the food space and therefore delivery customers themselves already. And like, again, like going back to that authenticity point, it means that when they talk about delivery and yes, it's an ad, but it's something that they, that they believe in and it's something that they would use already. So influencer marketing is huge. It's something that is only going to continue to grow, um, over the next, um, like few months. And it also allows you to kind of, to create humor and comedy in, in a way that's that's done, that's more tailored to to their type of, of personality. That's that's not necessarily just delivery, making jokes and being funny, but it talks about food in a really fun way. And I think that's the other thing to remember is that food is fun and it's a passion point for so many people. So finding people who really care about it can help push that further. Talking about food marketing in general, and Theo mentioned there briefly, obviously you guys work with food bloggers who I imagine in what, five, six, seven years ago, food bloggers would have been like a main port of call for food-based brands. And now that will have changed a lot. So I'm interested to get your take and uh, in your experience, how food marketing has changed and evolved on social um, over that period of time beyond just, you know, what we see on nice pictures on Instagram. Yeah, I mean, it's it changes every day. So yeah, I mean, over the past few years, it's, it's changed massively. And I think there's, we go through phases of it being very image led, um, or kind of, you know, if you're going talking about food blogs specifically, like much like more text led. Um, and, and now I think seeing how like video has become such a huge part of people's lives, it just adds a new dimension to social media. And it kind of brings you in and into that kind of like almost like live element. I mean, we do have live social content. It just makes everything so much more personal. And I think for consumers and, and social media users, you're not just watching something that's been broadcast at you. You're, you're in this community and people are, are listening to you and creating things specifically for you. So I think it's very special that it's been able to be more, more interactive and, and more personal. Um, I think when it comes to food, looking at like exciting new ways of, of eating and introducing people to amazing cuisines, it's just allowed us to connect with people all around the world and it, so quickly. So for me, it's, it's evolved hugely um, and I'm excited to see how it continues to do that. I suspect you mentioned with food trends as well, which just seems to be a massive one in in in, in that as well. And like the the, the way we and the, the and you know the changes that have happened over lockdown and you know the the view to services like Deliveroo as well and the sort of rising prominence um you know because people haven't been going out as much. So I, I find it interesting. There are so many insights within this that we probably take for granted every day because it is food. It's something that we all have a relationship with. But when you when you do think about it, yeah, you can see how these things have really evolved over time. I know it's it's incredible when you think about and I mean I love recipe books and that's you know it's never going to replace that but I think it's it's awesome how you can be flicking through in your you know 
15 minute, half an hour, however long we end up spending on social media, um, your window of, you don't, you don't really know necessarily what you're looking for. You're just looking for some form of entertainment or escape or inspiration. And going through, you can kind of, you, you can keep on top of what's happening in the music space, but then, you know, you, you're inspired by all of these different recipes and trends and things that you might not know about. And seeing, um, we've spoken a lot about TikTok, but I think it's incredible to see how like the kind of the food TikTok space has not only allowed people to keep up to date with trends, but it's also like really put different dishes on the map, like the, um, the mochi balls, um, which, yes. um, you probably saw. There's about, been like of, viral. Oh viral tiktok meals yeah. all over the shop like the vodka pasta and then the feta pasta i think it's like such a good uh space to work in and the, the food space in general i think is really exciting at the moment and and you mentioned recipe books there you should look into instagram guides and because uh, it's like a magazine editorial format and look at doing recipes on there because i've always thought that would be cool you can have that idea for free um but i want to talk a little bit about Thanks, um, <laughs> i want to talk a little bit about um, innovation on social and obviously not ignoring the fact that uh, Deliveroo is an app, it's a digital based product. Um, on your side of things, does that ever increase the pressure, I think, to you know have your finger on the pulse with digital and make sure you're ahead of these trends and like trying different things and uh, be a little bit more savvy to it? Definitely. I mean, we're an app, like our social media platforms are also apps, so they're on people's home screens, um, like next to each other. So it's just as easy to kind of enter delivery as it is to go on social. And I think that that makes us in like the same kind of real estate that consumers have. So yes, it's, it's, it does increase the pressure. And I think similarly with part of our service being about speed, you know, it's very easy to, to, to use social media to voice any frustration. So I think for us, it's actually, it's great because we, we have that immediate window and like we have to always, always have our fingers in the pulse to see what's going on. And if there are any issues, we can address them very quickly. Um, but it's also great to see positive feedback as well when we can see that our customers are loving different restaurants or, or different types of dishes or looking for recommendations. You can make it like almost like using social as a bit of a concierge or like a, a, a food loving friend, let's say, mm-hmm. um, to help people with their ordering experience. So I think the two do go hand in hand i love that idea of yeah the food loving friend the sort of concierge service i think that's um really really relevant and i bet it's a two-way street in terms of like inspiration from social as well and the sort of marketing you guys do like you mentioned earlier the social listening you know clearly you can unearth so many trends um from social and so many insights from social especially around things like food which is such like you said a joyful and sort of visual experience Exactly. And that's our biggest thing. We don't want to broadcast messages. We want to make sure that we're delivering like amazing food content to our audience. And, you know, we, we love to use the different features to add an interactive element. So whether it's through stories and using polls and, um, and questions to actually kind of use that insight into to developing things. So, you know, we, we've, um, we've run surveys with people um, on Instagram to find out what kind of burgers we should be creating next and actually bringing them to life on the app. So it's really empowering your social media audience to, to help um, innovate themselves. Um, so I think, it, yeah, social is such a fast paced and ever evolving space where consumers can really be a part of our journey. So I think it's, it's, it's really important for us to, to include them at that, at that initial stage. 
makes complete sense. And I think that's a learning for brands in every vertical. Again, we, we talk about this um, on this podcast a lot, but the idea of not using social as that just purely a broadcast channel is a two-way street and, you know, um, working with the audience as much as um, being being there with uh, content. But we'll wrap up there, Sophie. I mean, I'm, I'm quite hungry after this conversation. Yeah, we discussed feta pasta, <laughs> vodka pasta. I'm, uh, you know, perfect <laughs> guest in that reason, yeah. No, but thank you so much for speaking to us. It was really great to... Um, to speak to both of you thanks so much for having me Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please remember to leave us a review on iTunes because it really, really helps and allows us to bring you brand new episodes every single week. This has been the Social Minds Podcast with myself, Theo Watts, Eve Young, and produced by Ollie Thompson. 